Look, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Uh, it's the WAM Strategic Value uh, Q&A webinar. You all know this is your company. You own it. Um, I'm fortunate enough to uh, chair the company on your behalf. Now, we have a board of directors um, and, you know, the pool of capital that we manage through the listed investment company is managed um, by Wilson Asset Management. Myself, you know, Jesse Hamilton, our CFO, who you'll hear from a little later, uh, and Marty McCarthy, you know, we're the three that work on uh, this portfolio and try to maximise the return out of it by taking the minimum amount of risk. Uh, Olivia Rose Harris, who is one of our senior comms uh, people, she'll be moderating uh, any, any questions and, um, that you guys have. And again, look, thank you very much. A lot of you have uh, sent questions in uh, and please send any more uh, questions in you have. Uh, some people, I know uh, 200 odd in the last month or so, might have spoken to another one of our Wilson Asset Management team, yeah, Tommy East. Now, she's been uh, touching base with a lot of our um, WAM strategic shareholders and really uh, trying to understand you know, any feedback you have or any ideas you have. And thank you very much for you know, everyone who's um, you know, chatted to her and given, given the feedback. And that's helped me today um, in terms of uh, and the rest of the uh, corporate affairs team to set up uh, this webinar um, and, and go through, um, you know, what we should touch on. Um, and and I mean, Tommy will continue to um, be calling shareholders over the next uh, month or two. So if you do get a call from it, if you have any specific questions or any thoughts or ideas, you know, please uh, give her some feedback. I'll just start off with a disclaimer. Um, if you can have a look at the disclaimer, uh, you'll need to be a, a fast reader. Um that, you know, that's the disclaimer and um, uh, is, is the disclaimer up there? Uh, yes. Yeah, yep, it's beautiful. Um, and, yeah, so that's, yeah, just broadly we can give you general advice. Um, you know, we can't give you any specific advice. The um, And just as I said before, you know, the, the feedback, well, actually let's look at, let, let's look at the next slide which just shows you you know, where um, war or WAM strategic value is positioned, you know, how it's um, you know, how it's performed, uh, and, and you'll see that performance, you know, the in the you know the period to January uh, in this slide, it's a very solid performance um, against the market. February, yeah, you know, the market's well as of today, it's actually down a little bit, you know, for the month, and um, as of last night. Um, WAM strategic value, I think it was up about 1.4%. Uh, so, you know, we really have had a good year. And, and I think, um, you know, we've, you know, we've outperformed the market um, by, it's it's by, you know, I think it could be 3 or 4% um, so far this, this financial year. In terms of the dividend, um, you know, myself being a shareholder, you know, I, I like getting fully frank dividends, particularly I'm in the, in my, in the pension phase. Uh, with my uh, superannuation, so it's um, yeah, it's of some value getting those um, growing streams of fully frank dividends, and and the board, I mean, our profit reserve because the portfolio has performed well recently, and yeah, our profit reserve has picked up, um, and you know we were confident to actually increase the dividend you know, by fifty percent. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll also see on this slide 
you know, the NTA. Um, yeah, in terms of where the where the share price is trading, um, you, you know, myself being a, a large shareholder in war, you know, shares with you all. You know, we're all, I mean, everyone at Wilson Asset Management, we share your frustration in terms of the um, you know, share price not fully reflecting you know, the, the value of the assets. And you see there the value of the assets at the end of January. Um, and if, if they're alive, they'll be a little bit higher than this. But the end of January, there was about $1.22. And on one of these webinars, one of our shareholders said, look, you're buying cheap companies then you know, you're buying them a discount to the value of their assets. If you put them in at the value of their assets, what would the you know, the NTA be then? Um, and, and so what we've done is, you know, and again, look, thank you very much to that shareholder that made that suggestion. Um, so on a monthly basis, we try to report to you, you know, what that see-through NTA would be. Uh, and, it, and if all those companies are trading at NTA, you know, the, the value of the assets would be $1.42. So, yeah, at that, uh, yeah, a bit over a dollar level, um, yeah, WAM strategic value is, is I mean, it's actually e extremely good value from, from my perspective. Um, and, and in terms of, you know, why is it trading there? You know, we floated, you know, when we floated a few years ago, within the first month or so, yeah, a number of, a couple of our, the positions that we had interest in, the Magellan Concentrated Fund, and Templeton, you know, uh, one decided to give their money back at NTA and the other one was bid for, um, you know, by Wham Global. And, and so there was a lot of activity in a short period of time. And the the actual share price went to a premium to NTA and was actually trading at about a 10% premium in that within the first, you know, few weeks, if not months. Um, and, and I think a lot of people bought in then expecting that oh geez, there's going to be takeover bids or things happening on a on a you know, like on a weekly basis. Now, unfortunately, anyone who's been around for a while, and I know a number of you shareholders have, you know, investing is all about patience and it takes time. It takes time to build positions in these undervalued companies where we're trying to buy a dollar of assets for eighty cents or or, or lower, uh, and it takes time for those you know to be crystallised. And and we'll talk about a few of those that are getting close to crystallised. You'd see. One of the positions that uh, is quite large on it in our portfolio, Q QB Equities, um, Wham Leaders has made a, a takeover bid uh, for that, but we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. So, um, yeah. So, in terms of the company, it is yeah, it's performing very well. Um, yeah, we're we're frustrated and disappointed that the share price isn't reflecting the NTA. You could nearly argue the share price should be reflecting you know, close to the see-through NTA. Um, you know, so it, it is you know, trading at a what fifteen odd percent discount. You know, so there's some easy money you know, for people that want to add to their uh, shareholding position. Uh, in terms of the dividends, you know, the board was you know, pretty relaxed in terms of increasing that dividend fifty percent. Um, so it's good that we've got that growing stream of fully frank dividends. The in the second half, you would you, you'd probably more likely assume the dividend will mirror the first half, you know. So the increase in dividend will only be you know, twenty five odd percent now from from a year ago, um, or you know, around the well, if that's what the board decides. Um, but the company is is very well positioned. What don't I what I what don't I now is uh, I think I'm am I passing over to 
um, Jesse now. Um, and, yeah, yeah, I'll pass it to Jesse. He'll take you through the next part of the presentation. Then we'll open up for questions and answers. Perfect. Thanks, Jeff. Um, and, look, everyone, great to be here today with you. And as Jeff mentioned, we've been quite pleased with the performance of the portfolio over the, the sort of six months and obviously to January, sort of up 8 and a bit percent at the end of January. Um, and pleasingly over that 12 months to December, up 12 and a bit percent, which has been great. A couple of positions to talk about in the portfolio. GDC, Global Data Centres, has been a strong contributor to the performance, sort of up 21.8% over that six-month period to December. Uh, and the Magellan Global Fund up sort of 18.3% over that time as well. And you would have seen from June to December and even January, uh, we had around 27% cash at the end of June. And we've been actively deploying that into the market over the six months where we've seen some opportunities with licks trading at discounts close to that sort of pandemic level back in 2020. So there's been lots of opportunities for us to utilise that cash um, and sort of buy in and actively trade some of the discounts that widened and then subsequently narrowed during the period, which has been good to see. Um, obviously, there's a few substantial positions in the portfolio, QV equities that Jeff mentioned, VG1, um, Salter Brothers, Global Data Centres, and sort of we've been quite active, as I mentioned, trading discounts over that period. And QV equities, obviously, that Jeff mentioned before, WAM Leaders has announced its intention to make a takeover bid. Um, so obviously, that's something that we need to consider from a WAM strategic value portfolio perspective, separate to obviously WAM Leaders um, in the documentation. And I know there's probably a number of questions that have come online. There was mention, obviously, that a, a separate transaction through a scheme of arrangement was proposed, which I imagine maybe on better terms, but that's something we can address to any questions that come through on the Q&A as well. Uh, just to elaborate on two positions in particular, GDC. Now, that's one of our direct discount opportunities. That's where we're just a pure discounted asset play. Um, it is a, a realisation strategy. So a, a fund that has investments that they're looking to do an ordinary realisation and then eventually distribute the assets back to shareholders. Uh, in there, and you might have seen in the, in the media air trunk, they have a 1% position um, in a sort of upcoming IPO as well, which should be a big boost to its sort of underlying NTA as well. It's still trading at a good discount. And that's just been a, a strong contributor to the portfolio during the period. And that's just an example of us taking advantage of a direct discount opportunity separate to a traditional listed investment company or listed investment trust. Um, another one, sort of VG1, just to highlight, obviously, we've sort of first bought into that just at a traditional discount asset play with a listed investment company. They've increased the dividend over the period and been quite active with their buyback. Um, interestingly enough, looking at some of the numbers Sort of they've bought about 60% of the volume on the days they've been active with their buyback, buying back around 3.4% of the issued capital during the period. Um, so it's just been interesting to see sort of how active they've been with that buyback. Um, there hasn't been much of a move in the discount as a result, uh, unfortunately. Um, so obviously sort of coming into the end of January, um, sort of QVE is, is sort of a position to highlight, um, as I mentioned, that we can talk about. And... What I'd like to do just before we jump into Q&A is hand back to Jeff just to talk about the list investment company and trust sector quickly, just to sort of touch on the history sort of since the early 2000s, if that's all right. Yeah, look, thanks very much, Jesse. And, and I know for a number of shareholders that have you know, been uh, coming to our presentations for a while, they've, they've probably heard these stories. So, you know, I, I set up uh, Wilson Asset Management about you know, 25, 26 odd years ago. Uh, but before that, 
um, I remember you know, in my broking days that I read some really good research that Morgan Stanley in the US had done and looked at mutual funds, which is open-ended funds, versus closed-end funds, you know, which that's what they call in the US, which are listed investment companies. And it showed that the closed-end pool of capital or the listed investment company outperformed the open-ended pool of capital by about 2 to 2.5% two per annum. And that's one of the reasons why I was always sort of fascinated. And why, do, why does that happen? It happens because you know, the average investor that invests invest in, in the stock market tends to buy at the top of the market because they're all excited and they tend to sell at the bottom of the market. You know, that's, that's on average. So the average investor, tend, say if the market performs, does about 10% per annum, the average investor does about 5% return per annum. So the big thing about investing is you've got to work against your emotions. But what listed investment companies do is, and of course, a normal open-ended fund, you know, when the market's going, you know, is a strong bull market, all, all the money flows in um, and, and therefore, you know, the fund manager ha- is forced to buy shares at the top of the market. And when things are bad, like during the GFC or COVID, all the money flows out and then those fund managers are forced to sell. But the beautiful thing about the listed investment company, it's a closed-end pool of capital. So the investment manager is never forced to buy anything. The shares trade on the market at premiums and discounts, and that provides opportunities. But the investment manager is never forced to buy anything. And when things are bad, the, the share prices might go down, but money doesn't flow out of the funds. So they're never forced to sell anything. So that's, that's what sort of insulates them. Recently, a number of people have been asking me, oh, look, you know, what's happening with the LIC sector? You know, it's not growing like the ETF sector, et cetera, et cetera. It never would. Um, it, like, it, it never would. And the listed investment company sector will just grow gradually over time. You know, when I started, you know, um, when we flew to WAM Capital you know, 24-odd years ago, um, it was trading at – sorry, there was, there was about, I think, 20-odd listed investment companies. Um, in the early 2000s, there was you know, a, a number of new listed investment companies uh, listed. And I think we ended up getting you know, sort of the mid to late 2000s before the GFC. I think we got to 68 or, or, or 69 listed investment companies. And then what happened is you know, when, when, when any market, when there's a lot of new uh, people turn up, they don't quite know, you know how hard it is or um, how you operate in that new uh, that environment. So what what you found is uh, a number of them did what a lot of them are doing now. Sort of gave up, gave the money back, were taken over, uh, and then we had you know in in the early you know, 2011 2012 period we had another uh, wave of listings, um, and until you know I think we got to about 114. Uh, listed investment companies a, a couple of you know, a few years ago, and now yeah you know, we're down to um, eighty eight. I mean we've actually well besides, including the QBE bid, um, yeah before that we'd taken over ten of them. Uh, and what happens? What you tend to find is the strong get stronger in these periods, uh, and the weak, you know, they you know, they disappear. So to me, the sector is just in a consolidation phase. Um, we'll go back to getting new listed investment companies floating. Uh, it'll never be at the rate of ETFs up. Is that open-ended pools of capital? Um, the, the, the listed investment companies have been around since 1868. 
you know, they, um, they really uh, serve a purpose. Uh, and, and one of the things I love about them is not only they've got that, you know, performance I talked about, enhancement, because you, you've got a closed-end pool of capital, but also what I love is, you know, I, I love being able to buy a dollar to worth of assets cheaply or, or below a dollar. So that's just a bit of a, you know, a, you know I just wanted to answer one of the questions um, you know, that, um, that we've been asked. Actually, probably another question I wouldn't mind uh, answering just before we get into the, the whole Q&A. There's been a bit of feedback you know, when um, you know, Tommy's been speaking to you guys as shareholders uh, or, 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 or other comment or other questions is what's going to happen with the market in the next 12 months? Now, obviously, you know, it's very hard to guess. I mean, one of the things you know, up until you know, probably the latter part of last year, I, I was still a bit nervous um, one thing we do know that markets tend to perform in uh, periods where it, it, in in present in the last in the year of a presidential election. And why is that? Because you tend to find that the government that's in um, wants to get re-elected, and so they're more likely to pump money into the system. So I think since the early 1920s, 75 percent of the time the market's gone up in uh, the year of presidential election, which we're in at the moment, a US presidential election, and it's gone up um, a little over uh, 7%. Also, another thing um, is in this, you know, in this period is the market is hitting new highs. And what you tend to find is if the market has been is hitting new highs, it just doesn't all, all of a sudden fall. Um, and you find that if a market's been hitting new highs for a year, uh, you know, then usually a year after that, the market on average, and I think 80-odd 80, 80 percent of the time, is up 13-odd percent. So I think, uh, and the third you know, interesting fact is, in, in years where the interest rates are falling, I think the first year after interest rates have been rising, the first year, um, the first year that interest rates start falling, the market go, goes up. I think it's nearly 100% of the time. So it's just an interesting, you know, even though the market might have had a, you know, a bit of a rally already, you know, then it looks like um, you know, this year could be, could be a solid year. So, well, look, why don't I, I know there's been a lot of questions that have come in. Thank you, Jesse, for your, you know, the various comments, and we'll, we'll dig into some of those companies in a little bit more detail, I'm sure, in the Q&A. But let me uh, hand over to Olivia, uh, who'll, t who'll take who'll moderate the questions. Thanks, Olivia. Thanks, Jeff, for um, uh, sending through their questions. Um, Jeff, the first question is from John. There seems to be an increasing trend of investors looking to move to ETFs. Have you noticed this in your number of shareholders, which maybe he sees reflected in the share price um, discounts to net asset backing? And is this trend gaining energy? Uh, there we go. Sorry, someone locked me on mute. I don't know how that happened. Uh, the um, so yeah, sorry. Just in in terms of that, yeah, people going to ETFs. I mean, ETFs are, are a great mechanism to get exposure to the market. So ETFs will continue to grow. Uh, will they grow at the expense of listed investment companies? Uh, the the answer is um, no. Yeah, it, it was like index funds. Yeah, they had a big growth phase. 
Now, then we had ETFs had a big, have a big growth phase, and ETFs will continue to have a big growth phase. Index funds, people tend not to you know, play them that much these days, um, and the listed investment companies um, will you know, continue to have a, have a place in the market. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing is about the, the fund management industry in Australia, um, listed investment companies make up about, you know, they're, they're valued at about $50 billion. And ETFs, I think, is about 150 billion. So ETFs are about three times LICs. Uh, LICs will continue to grow in terms of performance, and probably one or two out of a year. Um, but ETFs, you know, they're trust structures, so they can grow at a an exponential rate. Um, but you know, a lot of people use ETFs and LICs. With an ETF, you're getting in and out of NTA. With the LIC, you know, if you do a bit of research, to me, it's really it's sort of the 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 starting position, you know, for someone getting exposed to the market, you buy an ETF. If you get a bit more sophisticated, do a bit more research, you know, then you can go to an LIC, do a bit more research, and then you can go into individual stocks. So it, to me, it's a logical stepping stone. So thanks, Olivia. Thanks, Jeff. And the next question is, why doesn't War do a buyback to close the discount? The well, the interesting thing is, I know, I know Jesse was talking about one of the uh, one of our positions we've got is uh, VG, um, you know, v, VG one. Uh, that's currently trading at about a fourteen percent discount to NTA. Um, they've bought back something like, yeah, you know, it's it's a significant percentage of their capital, uh, and unfortunately, yes. it necessarily hasn't reduced the discount that much. Jesse, what was the percentage? 3.4% in a very short window, being around 60% of the volume in the market, um, but it hasn't impacted the discount to NTA. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, the interesting thing is the, the logic is there to buy buy back a discount to NTA um, because you're buying a dollar of assets cheaply. Uh, what a lot of investors I find um, tell me is they're not that keen on companies yeah, you know, buying back their own shares because it means the company can't find something to invest in to get a better return. Uh, and I, I know in terms of, you know, Jesse was going through the portfolio, like, and I know a lot of, and this is from feedback from people that have been speaking to um, us over the last couple of months when you know, we've been uh, calling you to, to chat about uh, war is, you know, global data centres. Yeah, you know, so... You know, that's trading a little bit above two dollars. You know, it's it's one of our bigger, oh, a, a reasonable size position, but we're we're pretty comfortable that we'll make you know twenty to thirty percent on our money. You know, we could easily get something close to that two dollars sixty, um, you know, from that position. So, you know, are you better off buying something that you think you'll make thirty percent on your money, or or buying the discount? And, and to me. All the studies show that discount, yeah, you know, the buybacks, um, you know, the buybacks by companies, you know, really haven't haven't helped. Um, so yeah, that's that's the view on buybacks. I mean, saying that we like wax, when we flooded wax in the early days, yeah, you know, for the first three years we bought back ten percent, ten percent, ten percent, and then five percent. So we bought back thirty five percent in a uh, four year period. Um, but, but it actually didn't help the discount. You know, the discount got narrowed. To me, the narrowing of the discount occurs when all the shareholders that are share that that own the company are, are comfortable with it, um, and, and 
they're happy with what it's doing and it's really just getting alignment of shareholders. And it just takes time for companies, for the share register to tighten up. And once you've got the group of shareholders that are happy with how things perform, you know, how, how the company's performing and, and they're comfortable and, and the company's meeting their expectations in terms of performance and dividends, you know, then you, you tend to find the number of shareholders increases uh, and it, it moves from a discount you know, to trade at NTA. And like a more at the moment, a 15% discount, like to me, it's it's very cheap. Thanks, Jeff. Jesse, the next question is for you um, from Richard. Now that WAM Global has merged with Templeton Global Growth Fund, uh, what's the long-term plan for the WAM Global holding? Um, if you sell it, it pressures the WAM Global share price. Yeah, great question. Um, so obviously we acquired the WAM Global holding through virtue of WAM Strategic holding TGG. Um, so that's, that merger happened back in October 21. Um, and there was a cash out and a script offer. And the script offer was around, I think, 6 7% premium to the cash out offer. Um, so War took the shares at that point in time, right into a period of a lot of market volatility for global equities. Um, so we're not a natural long-term holder of the position. We don't want to hold sort of cross holdings across the different funds. So at a point in time, sort of off the back of the discount for WAM Global narrowing, um, and we can find sort of better discounts elsewhere in the sector, that would be a point in time that we can consider obviously moving out. Um, obviously note the point that that could sort of put pressure on the WAM Global share price, but it'll just be something that we need to consider for the WAM strategic value portfolio and, and our shareholders with respect to that position. And just to remind everyone on that as well, given it is a, a related party holding, there's no management fee charged on that WAM Global position until such time that we would just sort of sell out of the holding and invest elsewhere in the market. Thanks, Jesse. Jeff, the next question is for you. Can you release the NTA more regularly or sooner than once a month? Uh, so more regularly or, or, or sooner at the end of the month, probably, yes. yeah. Um, yes. The, uh, both those are possible. Um, yeah. Will, will we do them? Yeah, the plan is not to announce the NTA more regularly. The, um, I mean, it, a lot of people track the companies that we invest in. You know, we, we tell you, you know, our top holdings and every year we give you our full portfolio. Um, so it's, it's quite easy. And a lot of brokers, um, you know, I know Taylor Collison, you know, Bell Potter, they model our portfolios so they can tell you, and if you, hey, you look on Hot Copper, the guys on Hot Copper, you know, they can tell you effectively what the portfolio has done on, on a minute, you know, like on a day-by-day -day basis. One of the reasons why we don't um, announce the NTA more regularly, um, the, well, one of the interesting things is no correlation between you trading at a premium or discount and the NTA getting released more regularly. I mean, one example is, uh, the perpetual LIC pick, they do daily NTAs. I think it's trading about a nine-odd percent discount. Um, and it's pretty much traded a, a discount for most of its listed life. Um, you know, so, it, you know, the daily NTAs doesn't help. What it does to it probably encourages more trading. Um, you know, ideally, the goal to get these uh, LICs trading at premiums is just to have a group of shareholders that are supportive of what you do uh, and not people just trading in and out all the time. So to me, we're not trying to encourage short-termism. You know, we're trying to encourage medium, long-term 
uh, investing. So, you know, that's that's why we don't do monthly. In terms of getting the NTAs out a little earlier, I know, you know, we need to get them out by the 14th of the month. And what we've done historically, uh, because, you know, you, 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 in the Wilson Asset Management Group, we've got eight listed investment companies. Uh, you know, we're also, we support the future gen entities. Um, but with the eight listed investment companies, uh, there's, you know, one of them, um, you know, some of the data we don't get till, you know, pretty close to the 14th of the month. You know, that's uh, WAM alternate assets because they're, they're, they're investing with other fund managers that invest in alternate assets. So you've got to get valuations uh, and it takes you know, time sometimes for those to come through. So that's how we've done it historically. Um, what we're looking at now is, you know, how we... Um, you know, we're thinking of decoupling instead of announcing all the NTAs at once, that we actually might um, you know, announce them separately. And, and if we do that, then there's an opportunity that we could bring that, um, that timeline uh, forward a little bit. So I suppose, you know, from that perspective, you know, it's a fair question and, and watch this space. Thanks, Jeff. Jesse, we'll turn back to you. Where is capital being deployed uh, specifically to get the WAM strategic value share price to trade at a premium to NTA? Yeah, look, great question. Obviously, as I mentioned, we've been quite active in, in deploying the portfolio and the cash position over the last six months. Um, obviously, that's a big focus on finding those assets trading at a good discount to NTA in the market. Um, we've seen that come through with the portfolio performance and We've increased our positions in the likes of a GDC, QVE, PAI, sort of a fear and Magellan um, and seen some good performance on some of those holdings, which has led to the, the top up of the profits reserve and obviously the, the increased fully frank dividend that the boards declared for shareholders early in January. Um, so we continue to sort of look for those opportunities. Um, will portfolio performance drive the discount closing on its own? No, um, but it is part of a key component there together with the dividends and our communication with shareholders. Thanks, Jesse. Um, we'll stick with you. We've got two questions on AMP, one from Sid and one from Medi. Um, what's your view on AMP going forward? Are you still a fan? Um, the, Sid says the recent result doesn't seem to show much sign of improvement in their fortunes. Yeah, look, interesting story. Um, one that was going really, really well until last year when the sort of AMP board decided to sort of, I guess, change tactics and, and not continue down their capital management path that they'd previously announced. Um, they sort of announced some intentions to invest in back into the banking part of the business, um, which I think the vast majority of shareholders don't believe is profitable for the long term. Um, recent announcement, though, and sort of, I guess, some good share price performance in February, I think has seen the board respond to some shareholder feedback regarding the capital management. And they've announced that they're obviously kicking that back off for another couple hundred million into the market. Um, so we've seen some strong share price performance off the back of that. So if you'd asked me sort of a couple of weeks ago, it might be a different tune, um, but given the, the recent announcement and reintroduction of the capital management part of their strategy, the share price is performing better again. Thanks, Jesse. Um, Jeff and Jeff, Jesse, I'm not sure who you want this one to go to next. It's from Claire. Um, War has become a substantial shareholder of SB2, that's Salter Brothers. What do you see as the catalyst for the narrowing of the discount? Very good question. Very good question. Uh, the First of all, the discount is very significant. Um, it, it's a very 
uh, unique vehicle um, because a lot of the shareholders, uh, the um, foreigners you know, that have come through the CIV uh, program to get residency in Australia. Um, so we think there could be more for selling. You know, that's, that's where we think we've got, we, you know, we've got our positions. Um, and we are, we're not 100% sure about what the catalyst will be. What you tend to find is the, the LIC, these LICs, they can't stay at a, a very large discount uh, forever. Now, from our perspective is, I mean, Solder Brothers, I'm just trying to think of the numbers. Yeah, 30-odd, 32-odd percent discount it's trading at. Um, so if we could buy 100% of the portfolio at a 32% discount, then we'd be very happy because, you know, then we'd make, you know, 32 on 68. So we'd nearly make 50%. Oh, yeah, we'd make 40-odd plus percent on our money. Um, so, yeah, in terms of the catalyst, um, yeah, the number of, you know, there could be a number of catalysts. And I, I probably don't want to go into too much detail because, you know, yeah, I mean, we, we could be one of the catalysts. Now, that, that's not our plan at the moment. We've been buying. And, you know, when we can buy a dollar for, you know, 67 and a half cents, I think it's on our numbers at the moment, then we're happy to continue to do that. Thanks, Jeff. Um, and we've got another question on... If, just on that, if they are shareholders, then please, you know, if they could send us an email just so we know, and, and we'd be interested in what their thoughts are on Solder Brothers because, you know, if there's going to be change at a company, you know, please, anyone who's a, 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 one of our shareholders and has a shareholding in the companies we have, any of those, please you know, give, us, give, give us your feedback because then we can get an idea of sort of the mood of the market. Sorry, Olivia. Yeah. Uh, it was continuing on with Salter Brothers. We did have a question from Jim who said, would you consider encouraging a wind-up of Salter Brothers or for them to at least start paying some dividends? Well, it's a little early for us. You know, like we're, you know, for us, you know, we've been buying recently. So, you know, when we're at 19.9%, then we'll, then we worry about a few of those other things. Um, yeah, but we've we've got to get to there first, assuming we decide to get to that level, or, or the opportunity crouches itself that we can. Thanks, Jeff. The next question is from Gary. Um, he's got a couple of questions, so I'll ask them in order. Are you still buying Rider Capital, and is it difficult to buy volume in this lick due to low daily volume traded? The yeah, the, the answer it is. <laughs> No, no, it's 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 yeah, you know, we're not buying any at the moment. But it, yeah, it is it is very yeah, it's very liquid and and you know, and writers you know, they're trying to work out yeah you know, what they do with their business. And see, to me, what what happens to a lot of these listed investment companies that the fund manager thinks great idea, I'll list on the stock market, and then they think that's all they have to do. Um, I, I mean, you, you hear you, you're talking to Olivia. Now, she's one of our senior uh, execs in the in the corporate affairs area. Now we've got um, about 11, 12 people in that shell engagement, sh uh, shell of communication and corporate affairs. Now, so we're investing, you know, say that's 
you know, two and a half, three million dollars a year in that area, and that's you know, that, that's not a cost to the companies. That's a cost to the fund manager, and that's where part of our fund management fees go. Where other listed investment companies, whether you're small, they can't afford, or the large ones that don't really uh, give the commitment, um, and that's you know what. I was talking about earlier on that, you know, when Jesse asked the question, do you look at the AFIX, the Argos, uh, AFIX, the, the largest LIC, Argo, the second largest LIC, you know, WAM Capital, WAM Leaders, the next biggest LICs. Um, you know, so, you know, the, the bigger guys are committed to the space. It's a lot of the other people. And uh, like QV Equities, you know, I mean, they – like, do they really belong in the space? You know, they've always traded, nearly always traded a discount NTA. And, um, yeah, so I, I just don't think they've committed to you know, support the entities. Thanks, Thanks. Jeff. And in, in continuing with Jerry, um, with Gary's question, it, it is pivoting a little bit. Um, with the Wilson Asset Management Leaders Fund, will you freeze redemptions if there's a big sell-off in the market so you're not forced to sell the stocks that you don't want to? Okay, so yeah, thanks, Gary. And and you know, we manage about five billion dollars on behalf of about one hundred and thirty thousand shareholders. Um, the very first fund that I set up was the Wilson Asset Management Equity Fund. That's um, yeah, as, as as a small fund. And then uh, latter part of last year, we and that's a trust structure, an open ended trust structure. We created. You know, the WAM Leaders Trust, which is, again, an open-ended trust structure. So you can buy in an NTA and out of NTA uh, in, uh, 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 once a month. Um, and the question was, okay, say if the market falls, would there be, um, would we be in a, would we be in a situation to freeze redemptions? Obviously, that's a, a decision for the RE. Um, but if the market did fall significantly, you've got to remember – there still is liquidity in the leaders. Um, and, you know, even back in, I don't know how old Gary is, but even back in 1987, you know, in the large, the large companies, and that's where it invests, there was liquidity. The liquidity totally dried up in the small companies. Um, but in large companies, it tends to be liquidity. And that's why we did that. Um, you know, we're happy to do a, an open-ended trust for WAM leaders. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Jesse, we'll go to you. This next question is from Sylvan. Could you please detail the calculation of the performance fee while the value of the portfolio is still below the high watermark? Look, great question. And I think shareholders would have seen in the, in the interim accounts there is a performance fee accrued. Now, when calculating the performance fee, obviously it's subject to a high watermark and it's 20% of the outperformance. Um, now, when you look at the sort of, say, the balance sheet, or just generally the interim accounts, um, you need to look at the pre-tax numbers. So exclude the, the tax liability and the deferred tax assets. Um, but you also need to consider the, the dividends that have been paid since inception. So there's around 8.75 cents per share, but that's around 16.5 million, including franking, that needs to be added back when looking at the current asset value. 
Now, sort of, we don't pay tax on all of that franking. We do receive some from our investment portfolio, but there is a, a large degree of tax payment there. So when adding that back and obviously above the, the 225, it's then 20% from there. One thing to note just in the profit and loss of WAM strategic value, but listed investment companies generally. Now, closed-end funds, uh, ETFs, any trust structures that do investments, you don't get to claim back all the GST. So there's an extra 2.5% of just unclaimable GST um, in some of those line items on the profit and loss. So with management fees and performance fees, for example, if you're looking in, in those numbers, you need to divide them by 1.025 just to back out the GST. Um, and then that's the performance fee when adding back the, the dividends paid and the tax paid since inception. Thanks, Thanks and, and just just to, because um, I know there was a little bit little bit of discussion on uh, on an online forum about it. Um, I mean, broadly, yeah, you know, it's just as the prospectus, um, and it's just like any other you know, managed fund where you know, it's getting twenty percent of the performance above the high water mark. Yeah, you know, obviously the yeah, if if the portfolio goes up, uh, then then if it's a, a trust structure, then it would have paid a distribution out. Um, but yeah, you, obviously you take the distribution out of the um, of the high water mark. Um, so the yeah, that's yeah, it's just in in line with that. Thanks, Jeff and Jesse. Um, the next question is from Peter. When the focus is on buying one dollar of assets for eighty cents. Why is the war share price in the doldrums, and how can this be turned around? Yeah, and, and um, I mean, fair question, Peter. And I know we've covered it a little bit on it before. Um, one of the reasons why the you know, why the war share price is in the doldrums is just just a, a, a non matching of ex, of expectations from investors. Um, you know, when we floated it, you know, maybe people thought that we that we're going to be takeover bids every day. Um, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, that you know, in the first sort of month after it was listed, that one company let everyone get out at NTA, you know, Magellan. We were in their concentrated fund. They let us all get out at NTA and you know, Wham Global bid for uh, um, Timlin Global. So it was the takeover bid. And, and that's when it went to a 10% premium. So you know, all those people that bought there expecting bids to happen every day um, didn't didn't occur, uh, and it wasn't. It was never going to occur. So it's just a mismatching of expectations, uh, and then um, it's eventually you get to equilibrium. You know, war was at a bigger discount than it is now. Like the discount is narrowing. Uh, you know, the share register is tightening up, uh, and um, you'll see eventually you'll trade at a premium. Um, the the I, I didn't mention a wax earlier. You know, we bought, uh, and I'm, when I was talking about buybacks, Wax at one stage was trading at a 40% discount to NTA. Um, you know, we, we spent a lot of time tightening up the share register. And actually, of all our LICs, it was, a, it, it, it was the one that took us the longest time to get it to trade at NTA. It actually took seven years. Uh, and then and the interesting thing is what happened after those seven years, then all the shareholders that were were shareholders in Wax. They were totally believers in what uh, Wax was doing, or Wham Research, which it's called. Um, and then Wham Research ended up going to, I think, it got to a fifty percent premium to NTA, which is as ridiculous as a forty percent discount. Um, 
so yeah, so I, I, I mentioned earlier that you know, the various you know, that we, we've been communicating with the share register um, over the last little uh, bit. We've, you know, and there'll be more communication going forward. We have a shareholder engagement communication uh, you know, strategy, marketing strategy, which we're rolling out, and that will continue to tighten up the share register. And so the discount will continue to narrow uh, till it eventually trades at NTA and then eventually it'll trade at a premium at NTA. Now, look, I've seen it. I'm not sure how long you've been investing. You know, I've seen it before with LICs. Um, you know, th- there's, there's a logical reason why we're currently at a discount. You know, it's a newish LIC. You know, I think all our shareholders you know, that have been around for a while have seen it before. We've finally you know, got a bit of profit reserve, so we've been able to pay dividends. You, know, you notice we've got a bit more profit reserve. You know, Jesse talked about the performance figures earlier. So now the board's a bit more generous in terms of paying out the fully frank dividends. So all these things happen. Like what drives um, an LIC to trade at NTA if not a premium? It's performance, it's yield, you know, obviously fully frank yield. The biggest buyers for LICs are self-managed super funds. They make up about 65% of our share registers. Um, we think when we floated WAM Capital 25 years ago, I think they made up about 3 or 4% of our share register back then. Um, you know, so to me, you know, that, that's, you know, that's part of the, you know, what needs to be put in place. Also, LICs you know, have to treat shareholders with respect, like all listed investment companies, and you've really got to have a good marketing, shareholder engagement uh, and communication strategy, uh, and, and we think we have. Thanks, Jeff. We have two questions relating to the cash weighting of the fund. Jack has asked, what is the current cash weighting? And Warwick has asked, now that war is almost fully invested, will war can, uh, now take more of an activist role in relation to some of the more material holdings in order to seek or to force a realisation of underlying value? Yeah. The, uh, well, first of all, it's about 8% in cash. And, you know, we, we were a little bit less than that. We've, we've trimmed a, a few things that we're trading at closer to NTA. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and, and as Jesse said earlier, like we've committed a lot of cash, you know, nearly 20% of cash over the last six months where the opportunities have presented themselves. Now, when opportunities present themselves, we'll continue to commit the cash and, and there could be situations where, you know, we think there's going to be a short-term catalyst in one entity so we might bring the cash out of another entity that's trading at less of a discount and move it into the one at a bigger discount with, with a more of a short-term catalyst. In terms of um, you know, the, you know, the, the, the second question, which is, oh, what activity, you know, what corporate activity and, and why aren't we involved in more corporate activity? Um, you know, it, it just takes time. You know, we talked about, you know, Solder Brothers. Like, we, we would, con- like... Why don't we do something with Solder Brothers now? We we have a small shareholding, like we say, is it six odd percent? Now we'd like to go to nineteen point nine percent, and then if it's still trading at a thirty percent discount, you still want to keep buying. Sort of like a, a cat, you know, playing with a mouse. You don't want to kill the mouse if you want to keep playing with it. So like we'd we'd it's better for us if we bought a hundred percent of Solder Brothers at you know at sixty eight or sixty seven and a half cents in the dollar. Rather than buying, you know, like buying, you know, five percent of it, and um, you know, when you, when we can buy a lot more. So, 
to me, you know, and a lot of these companies where it, it takes time and it takes time to build positions uh, and strategic positions and it takes time for the catalyst to play out. Um, and it, all, all these, like it's not a, we're not a trader. You know, we're taking these medium long-term positions. Obviously, hey, we'd love to be a trader. We'd like you know, all of our positions, like we'd like someone to bid for global data at $2.70, you know, then we'd sell it, you know, we'd sell immediately. Now, or AMP, like AMP's got a dollar seventy of assets, you know, it's trading at dollar ten. Um, you know, or you know, say Wham Global's a fifteen percent discount, you know, VGE's in play. Um, so something will happen there. Uh, you know, still trading at a six percent discount uh, on QBE, six percent discount, VG uh, VG one, like the you've got an activist on the share register, Saba. Yeah, you know, that, that's trading at a you know, 14, 15% discount. Now, we think something will happen there. Now, Pangana, Saba's on the register there. That's that's close to a 20% discount. We're more on the buy side there. Yeah, you know, the Magellan Fund, we're just waiting for the wind-up uh, details. We all knew this was going to happen you know, um, you know, for for quite a period of time. I think earlier this earlier last year, we, we you know, in one of our monthly updates, you know, after they got rid of the... Yeah, soon after we floated, um, you know, Wham Research, it was quite clear that Magellan wasn't going to stay in the, you know, the listed investment trust market as they got rid of the, the concentrated fund. It would just be a matter of time before the other one um, they let you get out at NTA or close to. And so that's playing. You know, we're in the Regal Asia Fund. It's about a thirteen point seven percent discount on our numbers. So we think that'll get close to Sabre on the register there. That'll get close to, so that just gives you a bit of, bit of flavor of, um, of some of our top holdings. Thanks, Jeff. And the next question is from Leon. Um, he says he already holds the similar GVF that's global value fund of which you're a director. Um, he mm. holds it in a much bigger, bigger parcel than his war holding, which he has disposed of. However, he remains interested in war and is wondering if you can comment on the differences between war and GVF and the logic um, of holding both. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, uh, yeah, GVF, I'm on the board of GVF. I helped Miles set up the fund a number of years ago. Um, the funny thing is when Miles was setting up the fund in Australia, it was when he's based in London, uh, he'd go around and yeah, he was marketing and say, oh, we do what Jeff does. You know, in terms of the activist stuff. Uh, now these days say, oh, do you guys copy what Miles does? <laughs> um, and, and actually there's a board meeting in 10 minutes, which I said I'd be late for, <laughs> of GVF. <laughs> um, and, and we, but we don't, we, at the board meeting we don't specifically talk about what's in the portfolio. Now Miles currently is back in London. Um, and GVF's trading at about a 10% discount, so it looks cheap. It's, 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 it hasn't been at that type of discount for a long time. Um, so to me, and what you're doing there is you're buying global, like GVF, it's global value fund, uh, and, it, and it's looking at these opportunities globally. We pretty much look at these opportunities Australia in Australia that are listed in Australia. Yeah, currently we don't have any global uh, listed investment uh, trust. And the reason we do it in Australia is because, you know, we know the market. You know, I've worked in the, you know, the, in, you know, Funds management for was it forty three or forty four years uh, in Australia, so we sort of know um, 
you know, who everyone is. So to do it on a global basis, it's still very possible. And Miles, you know, spent a lot of time in London, so that's why he's got that expertise. So when you're getting a 10% discount, when you're getting a 15% discount, you work out, you know, what makes sense. Thanks, Jeff. And continuing on with Leon's question, he said, Jeff, you've become such a main figure um, in the lick landscape and investors who have significant WAM holdings um, must inevitably have concerns regarding key man exposure. Could you comment on um, succession planning? Yeah, well, it, it's pretty easy. I mean, first of all, what we have had for a long time is, you know, we've got a bench. You know, so if, if someone leaves, then who takes their position? So, you know, we've done that. You know, that's just, that's just good management um, uh, expertise. Um, but that's right. If, like if I wasn't here, then, you know, then it would be Jesse and Marty and the boys. You know, they, um, the, the funny thing is I'm not sure if I'm talking to an old person or a young person. You tend to find you know, everyone thinks the old people are the ones that do all the work and, 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 <laughs> and uh, um, you know, have all the expertise and you, you tend to find the, the old people are just living off the glory you know, of, of all the hard work of the young people. So to me, you know, you'd probably find you know, that, that things would work better if I wasn't around. Um, so to me, yeah, that's uh, the good. The good thing is, if well, if I'm if if I get hit by a bus, then I don't, won't have to worry about too much. If, yeah, as long as the bus does a good job. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. On that note, we'll go to the next question. Um, <laughs> Jesse, maybe you for this one. This is from um, Sauce Peter. He said. How come WAM leaders bid for QVE when we were expecting this to be war's field? Yeah, look, great question. And this is probably comes back to some of the expectation things that Jeff mentioned early on in, in the IPO. And I, I do remember, I think we were, had listed for two days and I had a shareholder ask me when we were doing our first takeover and when are we paying our dividend? Um so just to talk about the, the differences in, in expectations, but WAM strategic value, like whilst it can play an activist role and it can take over a company, it's not our, our, our sort of first line of attack. We would like to actively trade in and out of discounts over a period. And obviously, if there was an opportunity that presented itself for WAM strategic value to do a, a takeover and acquire some assets at a discount, that would be something that we do consider. But it all comes down to circumstances. And when you look at, say, WAM strategic value right now and its size of sort of around 220, 230 million, and then you look at QVE of a similar size, if war was to take over QVE, that would cause a, a large amount of disruption for WAM strategic shareholders. That would sort of entail doubling in size during that time. Um, and obviously, normally, we would need our share price to be trading at NTA or at a premium to do an offer where, say, we're doing a NTA for NTA or, or a takeover bid and using our shares to acquire another company. So sort of they're, they're the types of things that we need to consider um, if an opportunity was right for WAM strategic value and size being one of them, where if you look at WAM leaders and sort of the portfolio as well, QVE and, and WAM leaders sort of more aligned um, than not in terms of area of the market they invest. But obviously WAM leaders being a sort of a $1.6, $1.7 billion company, um, sort of taking over QVE a much smaller size, 
is a much easier bolt-on in terms of disruption to the share price and the share register um, with such a transaction than WAM Strategic taking it over. So it, it is a possibility for WAM Strategic, but it's not our, our first thing that we'll consider when we're looking at buying a discounted asset. Thanks, Jesse. Jeff, the next question is from you. It's from Mr. Ward. Um, it's a bit of a long one. He said he's a long-term fellow shareholder. He started off in the WAX IPO and holds multiple funds now. Uh, but he's noticed in the reporting there's no indication of how the various funds are currently trailing their IPO prices or working towards reversing that capital loss, but rather the focus is on bridging the gap to NTA. Um, he notes that he's tried to get his children to take on holdings in the WAM funds, but they refer to the capital losses um, attributed to some of the holdings and that the share prices have not appreciated a great deal especially when you compare them to um, appreciation in property values over the lifetime of the various funds. Um, he's pointed out to them, you know, the dividends that have been paid out, um, and they say you should expect that from an investment manager, especially when you employ a professional um, with a well-compensated investment team. What would your reply be to them? Yeah, and and um, a very good question. And the... Um, my initial reply would be is the how you get your return, and and I, I know you know, we announced our WAM capital result, um, you know, yesterday, uh, and and WAM capital is is a, a classic example. So, um, and listed investment companies, you know, they're a different structure to a trust structure, an ETF, or uh, or property. So with a listed investment company, it makes money each year. Well, we do. You know, we're traders for tax purposes and we pay tax. So 30% of the money we make gets paid to the government as tax. So you, you think, oh, well, okay, say I put in a dollar. You know, the first year we turn that dollar, it goes up 10%, so it's a dollar ten. And actually, if you have a property, then it then the property is trading at a dollar ten. Um, you know, if it goes up ten percent, but what we do is we we trade the positions and we pay tax of thirty percent. So, you know, our dollar has turned into a dollar seven, and but that seven uh, cents we've made is we've paid thirty percent tax, so it's fully franked. So we give it back to people. And, and this doesn't really necessarily work for young people. But, well, if they're really young and they can get the frank, or they actually, if they don't earn any, any money and they get the franking credits back, it's good. Um, but, you know, so effectively, you know, they're worse off by 30% by the tax paid if they can't get the franking credits back. So I would say to them, you know, if, if it was, if they're paying, if they're not getting the franking credits back, they're better off investing in property. Um, in terms of, and then what you've got to remember, what we do is we only don't, like with a property, say you get a yield, and what's the yield on property at the moment? Two and a half percent. So um, what we do is, say that example I was giving you, a dollar goes to a dollar ten, you get two and a half percent yield. We're giving you a lot higher yield than that. And Wham Capital, an example, you know, it's currently giving you about a 10 percent yield after after tax on assets. So it, it actually makes 14 or 15, you know, say 14% pays tax and then can pay out 
you know, 10% fully franked. Um, but how do you make your money um, it is a combination of income and capital. Now, if you're getting a super income dividend, and this is where your children have got a little bit wrong, you know, then uh, you know, say, say the, 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 I think the market over that the last four years since the GF, um, so, sorry, since COVID, over the last four years, I think the market's gone on average up about 6%. So the market's gone up 6% uh, for four years, but we've been giving shareholders in WAM Capital effectively 14% pre-tax. So where does that come from? It, it's, it's from the, the profit that we made in, in years, um, yeah, in, in previous years. Um, so, yeah, effectively, if we, if we had only paid out, you know, what we'd returned to shareholders after tax, that's so 6% tax, that's 4%, then that other, you know, that other, you know, I talked about the 14% we've given, we, we've given out. Now, that other 10% would have been an increase in capital. So, um, yeah, so to me, you, you, you either get it as, you know, as dividend or yield or, or sometimes you get super yield um, and then you're actually getting capital paid, paid back out uh, as income. Yeah, and that's broadly what we'd made. You know, it's WAM Capital and made money in the last, you know, before, the, before COVID and then it kept paying a very high dividend. Yeah, so to me, it's it's not necessarily sort of like your question was quite long. Uh, sorry, unfortunately, the answer is quite long, but it's it's not that simple. But that is that's the answer. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. And I know we've just hit four thirty, um, but I'll just I'll just continue. We'll keep, we'll keep yes. going until every question's answered, and uh, I'll I'll tell the guys at my next meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're our shareholders, and you're you're incredibly important to us. So, yeah, thank you for staying on. Thank you for asking the questions. Thanks, Jeff. This next one is from Damien. Um, he says the shareholders of both War and WAM Global have endured significant share price discounts for an extended period. When is the board going to treat this issue seriously and announce and effect a meaningful time-based strategy? to address with progress reported on a monthly basis? Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, thanks for the question. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm probably the biggest shareholder in both. And, of course, I'd be a lot happier if, if Wham Global was trading at its NTA, which is you know, $2.50 and a little bit, I think, you know, the live NTA. Um, and War was trading at its you know, live NTA, um, or a premium because it's trade uh, because it's got a discount capture mechanism in there, you know, dollar twenty two. Um, yeah, the 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 board um, is totally aware of that, and the investment manager is incredibly aware of it. Um, and and you know, we're working as uh, uh, as hard as we can to get it to trade, um, you know, trade at NTA. So. The um, you, you, I think part of the question you wanted to report on a monthly basis. You, you, like, I mean, effectively, I explained to you what needs to be done, and you know, and we have committed the resources to do it. Um, you know, a number of our LOCs trade at premiums, uh, and these newer ones trade at discounts. And the reason why they trade at discounts is because it's a misalignment of you know shareholders' interests. Yeah, you know, it's all shareholders. So shareholders are in there. 
as Jesse you know, mentioned, that it was a shareholder rang him you know, soon after he floated. Now, he would, have, he would have sold in the first couple of days or maybe in the first week because, you know, we couldn't meet his expectations. Um, and, and, and it's not until, um, I'm sure, you know, I mean, well, you know, first-year economics, you know, supply and demand, and you get to equilibrium. Uh, and eventually you will get to equilibrium. Um, and, you know, when the, the people that are invested in these vehicles um, you know, are, are, the, the vehicles are delivering for them. So, you know, as a board, you know, we can continue to grow the dividend uh, over time. As, you know, and again, like with Wham Global, you know, you're getting, you're effectively getting a super dividend for a global entity. What are you getting close to 6% fully franked? Where if you invest in global equities, you know, the yield you'll get is 2%. That's 2% uh, unfranked. Um, and yeah, you know, which is yeah, you know, which is one point four percent fully franked. So the yield we're giving you above that is actually profit that we've made and paid tax on, and we're paying out to you. So you've got to look at that as you as you know, you, can, you you might say, oh well, yeah, I just expect that. Um, well, if you expect that from global equities, then unfortunately, um, that's very yeah. You know, unfortunately, it's it's not right. So I think that sort of answers this question. If, if please, if you've got any more ideas or suggestions, you know, please you know, email them in. Thanks, Jeff. The next question is from Clarence. Uh, with the profits reserve sufficient enough to cover two and a half years of dividend coverage at the current payout rate, why didn't you increase the dividend to 2.5 cents per share? For the interim dividend, you stated it's increased by fifty percent, but two point two five versus two point zero is not a fifty percent increase. He says. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it, it the, it's the interim dividend and not the not the final dividend, and the interim dividend it w- increased fifty percent. It was interim last year. We paid an interim dividend, which this is the period we just paid a dividend for, and we paid a final dividend. Um. And it was the, the increase, when you look at your performance, it's on the previous corresponding period, which is the interim, not the, not the final. But the question is, why didn't we pay a bigger dividend? Well, we haven't, got that, we haven't got enough franking to pay a bigger dividend. And I'm sure as a shareholder, you'd prefer a growing stream of fully franked dividends. If we want to get these entities trading at NTA a premium, you need to do it by delivering a growing stream of fully franked dividends not just a big dividend one year and no dividend the next year. And a dividend's a function of the tax you pay. That's how it gets franked. Uh, and the profit you make. Um, and, you know, the nice thing is we've actually increased the profit reserve. So, you know, we're in a, we're in a lot healthier position than we were. Thanks, Olivia. Thanks, I mean, Jeff. it was part of the debate. Like, it, that was part of the debate we, we had, whether we go harder, whether we, get, whether we paid less. That was the de- part of the debate too at the board. Thanks, Jeff. We've got a couple questions on PAI. Um, Han has asked what your view is on PAI, um, given the oh, share price. Platinum Asia. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's trading at a big discount. The, it looks like the options won't get ex- it won't get exercised. We've got a small position in it. Um, yeah, I think it's about a close to a 16% discount. Um, and, and like to me, it looks cheap. That's a good manager. It looks cheap. We've we've only got a really small position in it because we're not quite sure. We thought there'd be a, a drag on both 
um, both the platinum uh, LICs because of the option issue, which was in the money and would put downward pressure on them. So we might increase our position as we get close to the option exercise, which we are. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, the next question is from Rob. What is the thesis behind the NGE investment? Oh, just buying buying assets cheaply. I think when we started buying NGE, we're buying it at it could have been a thirty percent plus discount. And surprisingly, you know the the underlying assets have performed extremely well. So we made good money on it. That, so it's 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 really the discount. We didn't have it, and it's very small. So you now we talked about takeovers. That's that's something that potentially. Yeah, you know, the, the very small ones are the ones that war could be involved in. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, the next question is from Cameron. The interconnections between on NGE, yeah, I think we, I just looked at the portfolio. We're up, we made fifty percent on NGE. Pity it wasn't a significantly bigger position. Sorry, uh, Olivia. Yeah, that's all right. Um, the next question from from Cameron. The interconnections between the WAM funds, including war leaders and global through lick takeovers, um, is concerning. Are we taking from Peter to pay Paul? Well, the answer is we're not taking from Peter to pay Paul because, unfortunately, Paul doesn't get paid, as Jesse said earlier. It would actually be it's in our interests, as in you know, Wilson Asset Management, not to have a position in WAM Global because then we get more uh, management fees. You know, we don't get a management fee uh, on the position in WAM Global. In terms of WAM leaders bidding for QVE, um, you know, the, the that was obviously you know the WAM leaders board. Now, you know, it's public that that um, you know War has a position in QVE. Uh, WAM leaders, you know, QVE is a you know, looks at large caps minus the top twenty. Um, yeah, so that it really focuses on you know, 20 to 80 you know, listed companies or 20 to 200 listed companies um, and it's traded at a discount for a long time and you've got war as a 15% shareholder. So you know, the WAM leaders board um, was, you know, was you know, obviously aware of that, everyone was aware of that and they decided to approach um, QVE to allow... Um, shareholders, you know, to you know, allow QVE to merge with WAM leaders. In, in terms of the, um, you, know, you, you saw the announcement, uh, like putting the our war hat on. Yeah, you know, we would have liked. It, it appeared that there was negotiations about doing a, a friendly transaction at a higher price than um, than what WAM. Uh, leaders bid. So we're very hopeful that something will happen on that side. Uh, and, 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 we'll, and we'll provide liquidity for everyone. You know, I mean, we, we also, you, you, you can't forget that we were sizable shareholders in Ozgrowth and West Oz. Uh, they were taken over by WAM Capital and we sold our WAM Capital stock and turned it into cash. Um, you know, the reason we ended up with our WAM Global stock is when that takeover occurred, there was about a 6% difference between the, between getting shares and cash, so we elected for getting shares. Since then, we've, um, we've got a policy, um, and so this is just going forward. Now, we've learned from that, and so if any other takeover occurs and we get shares in another WAM vehicle, we sell immediately. 
Um, and another, there was a takeover where leaders made a takeover for AEG, which we're a, a, a shareholder in, uh, and we sold. We sold the WAM leaders' shares. So, yeah, don't please don't get concerned because you're not. Yeah, you know, Peter isn't robbing Paul or whatever whatever the acronym was. Yeah, yeah P- Paul's not getting paid. He'd be better off if if it wasn't in there. Thanks, Jeff. And, and, and one day I won't because that's so thirty eight million. So um, yeah, so it's yeah, yeah, that's one percent of that yeah a year. Thanks, Jeff. Jesse, we'll go to you for the next one. It's from Andrew. Can you please explain the look-through NTA? And isn't the discount really understated then if the look-through represents the real value? Yeah, great question. Now, this came up in one of our first webinars for war. As we're buying discounted assets in the WAM strategic portfolio, so in our NTA that we report on a monthly basis, the individual investments are just valued at the share price that they're trading at. And obviously, we're buying them because they're trading at a discount to NTA. So in our NTA, it does not reflect the true value if we were to close the discounts of those underlying positions. And we had a shareholder ask us, well, can you tell us what the value would be, what the NTA value of war would be if all those discounts closed? And that's the look through NTA. So it, it is correct in terms of when you think about the, the share price versus that look-through NTA, that there is a bigger discount there. And that's why we believe fundamentally that sort of at the share price should be trading at NTA, if not a premium, because of that embedded value if we're able to close those discounts to NTA for WAM strategic value. Thanks, Jesse. And Jeff, two questions from Cameron. Um, he's asked, even if we get to NTA, the share price will still go down if the underlying assets are dogs. Patience, sure, but we need to pick winners. How would you rate your track record within war? Um, And he continues, blaming the shareholders for not being aligned is not a reasonable explanation for underperformance. What are the underlying reasons? Well, there's two different questions there because blaming the shareholders for underperformance, we're not blaming the shareholders for underperformance. We're just uh, just saying... uh, we're trying to explain why they're trading at a discount. Otherwise, uh, if, as Warren Buffett says, um, the markets are weighing. Um, you know, it's, it's anyway. It's um, yeah, so so that's that's that situation. In terms of the how to rate the performance, uh, it's early days. You know, to me, the strategy. Yeah, you know, we've been doing this for you know, since I floated, or was before we floated WAM Capital. Since we set up the first fund. We've been buying discounted asset plays, and and it, it just takes time. It takes time to build positions, build positions cheaply in companies that you want to, and it takes time for catalysts to play out. I mean, with Temple and Global, I think we were, I think we might have been shareholders for eight years. Yeah, so um, and build, you know, slowly building a position. Um, so so it, it it just takes time. So in terms of yeah, you know, how would we? How do we give our – what rating would I give us in terms of performance? I'd actually give it – I would give it definitely um, above a pass um, because um, yeah, that's, that's for the underlying – that's for the underlying assets. Now, as Jesse said more recently, they've done well. You've got to remember these are, are – um, you know, were there any discounted asset plays that we missed out on in Australia? Um, 
Yeah, so, so in terms of the opportunity cost, yeah, I don't think that ha- I like I can't think of many that have been. Please, you know, send them in. You know, there's there's a lot of operating companies. Not not there's only 88 listed investment companies, and and of course, yeah, you know, we've bought you know some of those other operating businesses. Um, you know, their global data centres has b- eventually been good for us. In the early days, it was tough. And AMP, yeah, you know, we yeah we bought in the you know the just above a dollar. We sold some at a dollar forty. Now we bought some back just above a dollar. Obviously, when they're eighty cent, you know, down to that eighty cent level, you know, that was a fail. But now they're trading a dollar ten. Yeah, you know, so it's yeah, you know, it's probably neutral uh, there. And then the other LICs, um, you know, there's, you know, as I said, we've we've taken over ten of them, and we've participated in, you know, wars participated in four of those takeovers. Uh, the other six were done. I think before we set war up. Thanks, Jeff. And I just want to share some feedback that's come through from Martin, who said he's heard a lot of shareholders asking why the lick is trading below NTA, but that's exactly why he bought into the lick. With the management skills of the group, he's very confident he will get a decent return, irrespective as to whether it reaches the NTA. So that was nice well, feedback. That's, that's, thank you. But that's that, that. But that's the beautiful thing about listed investment companies because you get the exposure of the underlying assets. And then, you know, you're getting effectively, you know, in this instance, you know, say for war, you're getting a dollar of it. Well, not a dollar of assets, probably a dollar, you know, 15 of assets. And you're paying, um, you know, you're paying sort of 80, 85 cents. A dollar 15 of look-through assets, a dollar of actual assets, yeah. Thanks, Jeff. The next question is from Sally. What is your view of the ideal share price? Is it at NTA or above? And what premium do yeah. you think is perfect? Yeah, well, to me, the war is a tricky one because because you've got that look through NTA. And, and you know, we only started... The interesting thing is Buffett, you know, in, in his early days, and this is for you know, people that have been around for a while, he, he used to trade um, at a discount to NTA. And so he was taking over companies, and then he would he would actually look at the under he he would make uh you know, sort of yeah you know, we say look through NTA he he would announce what his equivalent of the look through NTA was because he wanted the share price to reflect that and and it wasn't so he was trying to get the share price to to trade at, at that look through NTA uh, and I would have thought. I would have thought a small premium to NTA. The thing is, you know, like we've had Wham Capital did try, you know, was trading up at about a thirty percent premium a few years ago. So unfortunately, just as people are frustrated and negative, uh, look to me, everyone on the call is frustrated and negative. If 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 you don't think you can be positive at some point in time, please sell your shares because then it'll, then we'll get to NTA a lot quicker. <laughs> Um, because you really need to have that um, alignment. And what happens is while you're trading a discount to NTA, everyone's frustrated. And then you know, when war, and uh, I'm sure it will be, when war's trading at a 10% premium to NTA, then everyone keeps buying it and they buy up to a you know, 15 and a 20% premium to NTA. I remember when WAM was trading at a 15% premium to NTA, I sold them a WAM shares. Um, and then it went, and it went to a twenty-five percent premium in NTA. They thought, well, Jeff doesn't know what he's doing. Um, but my logic was, it was just trading at a premium. 
So, yeah, I just, hey, I just know what I'll do. I like buying at a discount uh, and selling at a premium. But the question, one of the questions, Olivia, you asked a little earlier, which is very true, is what about if the underlying funds perform poorly? Yeah, then there's no use having buying you know, discount ENTA if the underlying funds perform poorly. Uh, and 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 where I mean, you look at the underlying funds. So the WAM Global guys, you know, particularly this year, they're going well. They're outperforming the market. I mean, the QV Equities ones, they have this year they've done well, but before that, you know, they had performed poorly. Um, we're pretty happy with now that the Regal guys are running the VGIs. The Pangana, that's that's all right. The Magellan guys, you know, they, they went through a bad patch. What you tend to find is you'll find that fund managers can go through bad patches and then they'll go through good patches. Um, so, yeah, we're pretty much, we're pretty relaxed with our, you know, with the, you know, the, our top, um, our top fund managers. The, they will perform reasonably. And, and QVE, that'll get resolved. Uh, and then the gentleman that was worried about, like, don't worry, I actually don't think we'll end up being, you know, sorry, we, 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 whatever we end up with will turn into cash. We won't be holding uh, WAM leaders if, if we end up with shares in WAM leaders. Thanks, Jeff. Um, question on VG1 from Jim. Do you see the activist investor in VG1 forcing a wind-up? Well, it, it just if you if you want to, Jim, if you want to do some research, you know, go on. Hey, I'm I'm not a tweeter, but um, yeah, go on Twitter and you know see you know some of the like they are in the US. You know they've had some big fights, you know, with with big players, and they are very brutal. So I, their playbook is buy assets at a discount. And yeah, you know, sort of like us, yeah, you know, buy them at a discount and sell them, um, yeah, you know, when they're close to NTA. Yeah, you know, everyone says, like, why aren't we doing more? You, I mean, Saba, you look at Saba, like Saba's been in the Australian market. Jesse, when did they when did they first buy in? How long ago do you think they came to Australia? Uh, I think it was February, January, February last year. February last year, and yeah, they're just buying. Like that, that's a year, and they've done nothing. Probably another year, and they'll they'll have done nothing. Yeah, so to me, it just takes time to build these positions. And, and and what you do is, you actually want you want the industry to to stay. Yeah, you don't want yeah you know, all the LICs that aren't trading in NTA. Like as that gentleman said, that provides the opportunities for people to take a medium long term view. We would prefer that all the LICs we own their share prices move towards NTA and we sell them all rather than someone having to take them over. Or That's what we'd prefer. Because then when they go to a discount again, we could buy them again. And ideally we'd prefer to do it on a rotational basis a couple at a time. But, but unfortunately the market doesn't work like that. Thanks, Jeff. The next question is from Jack. Can you please share your view on Magellan Global Fund? Yeah, uh, thanks, Jack. And Magellan Global, uh, like ever since, yeah, they they went through the phase of listing the LICs, and then when yeah, soon after we fled a war, and they sort of got rid of, um, yeah, you know, Wham. Sorry, Magellan Concentrated Fund, 
when they allowed everyone to get out of the NTA, it was just a matter of time before this happened. And we all knew the options, which expire at the end of March. We all knew that a transaction would occur after that. Um, and it didn't really matter about the activist plays by people. You know, that didn't really... It, it was always going to happen. Um, and I, I think we, you know, we wrote it up uh, about a year ago saying... Um, now, before all the activist noise was going around. And, and there were like, and, and about a year and a bit ago, a lot of activists had set up positions in Magellan uh, expecting to get out at close to NTA. So I would say in the next month or two, they'll probably announce um, you know, how you'll get out uh, and you'll get out pretty close to NTA. So it, currently it's trading at a, what's the Magellan, about a 6% discount. So it's probably cheap if you, know, if you annualise the return. I'd say you'd probably get your money. So you've got to wait for the option, you know, the options to expire at the end of March. So or maybe you don't find out the details till April and then you'd probably get the money reasonably quickly, say May or June, or probably June or July or August. So yeah, if you're happy to get, obviously you're taking the risk of global equities, but if, you, if you're going to put money into global equities anyway, then you'll get... Yeah, you probably get an annualised return of twelve percent. So it's not yeah six percent over six months. Annualise it twelve percent. But but remember, you're taking you know, global equities risk. So if global if the global market falls, yeah, then you know buying a discount doesn't doesn't offset that. Thanks, Jeff. Jesse, we'll go to you for this next one because you've touched on it earlier. Um, Simon has asked, much of the M&A activity is undertaken by WAM Capital, WAM Leaders and WAM Global. Is WAR just too small to make meaningful M&A uh, acquisitions? Uh, look, not necessarily, but sort of I think when you think about the timeline in terms of a acquisitions that global sort of WAR, uh, sorry, global capital and leaders, some of those were probably on foot before the existence of WAM strategic value. Um, there was sort of quite a few that happened before the IPO in June sort of 2021. Um, but it sort of, it does depend on size. So where war is, um, if say there was a, an opportunity at sort of 30 or $40 million listed investment company, that would be something that would be considered. Um, but as Jeff mentioned, like our, our preferred option would be for the discounted asset players to sort of the discount to close at NTA. Um, we sell out, realise some value and then obviously buy others at discounts or, or buy them again when they go to a discount and, and keep making money for shareholders. Thanks, Jesse. Uh, this next question is from Stephen. Um, he said the February 2024 investment report stated that you had taken a fairly substantial holding in NSC um, of almost 9%. Is the philosophy of war just to sit on this and wait for the price to NTA discount to close, or will you take advantage of the discount to NTA and look into fully taking it over and why? So that kind of continues on with what you were just speaking about. Yeah, NSC has been there for some time, sort of, I guess, since um, early on the IPO. Um, and it's just like Jeff mentioned on some of the others and NGE, just a, a discounted asset play. So obviously we would prefer that discount to close and be able to realise some value and then rotate into other sort of entities trading at bigger discounts. Obviously, if the discount was to widen, we could look at an opportunity to pick up more of the holding um, if we believe sort of that catalyst is there to close the discount. Thanks, Jesse. 
Um, next question is from Dave. Does war hold any TGF? That's tri Tribeca. It would seem to be trading a substantial discount uh, with a good dividend. Not at this time. Yeah. No, no, we don't. We yeah, it's it's one that it's just a tricky one for us. Like, I just can't. I'm not that confident on the catalyst. Um, yeah, like how do they get a 10 TA? And, and probably, you know, how I talked about earlier that important things, performance, yield, um, you know, having a shareholder engagement, communication, marketing strategy, and also treating shareholders sort of equitably. They raised some capital sort of recently and it was at a discounted NTA, which anyone who didn't participate got diluted. You know, it was quite a big dilution. So I think they alienated a lot of shareholders there. So you, you think of you know, some of our shareholders that are, you know, have asked questions a bit frustrated because we're trading at a discount. If we then raised money at a discount, like how, how, how more angry would you be? So to me, you know, they, they, they've really, you know, they haven't sort of done the right thing by shareholders. So to me, it's a long way back for them to close that discount. At some point in time, you know, we, we, like, we, we have traded it once before, but at some point in time, we may be back there. Thanks, Jeff. Um, Bill has asked, what do you find interesting in Lark Distillery? Yeah, with Lark again, it's just assets. You know, if, if they, uh, you know, it, it was we sort of we sort of bought into it when the CEO left, and it was all a bit of a disaster. Um, yeah, and the share price had fallen significantly, come under pressure. Um, yeah, I, I think on our numbers, yeah, the the yeah the, the I think I think you can get up close to you know three dollars fifty or four dollars a share in assets in the company. So we think at some point in time, um, you know, it'll be taken over. You know, like it won't be listed on the exchange. That's, And we've only got a very, yeah, you know, like we've got a very small position of the portfolio, what is it, 0.68 of a percent. Um, that was just, it was just a small play on dis, on discount assets. See, we, we, we did have... Um, you know, our focus is the LICs and LITs, but go back last year, some of the operating businesses, you know, like you know, global data centres and AMP, you know, operating business, you know, we saw were trading at discounts to assets. So, you know, we, we you know, had a bit of a nibble in there or had a bit of, you know, investment in there. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, um, Bradley has asked, given the FGG large discount, would you consider buying some of those shares? Yeah, just, just I think with the concern that, well, the answer is no, because yeah, out, out of choice, we're not going to buy shares that are in the group. Uh, and FGG is very cheap. I was actually just looking at the, I was looking at the um, announcement, the proper result will be announced next week. Um and uh, yeah, uh, like FGG is cheap. FGX and FGG are cheap, and FGG is cheaper. You know, bigger discount, and and that won't be a long term thing. It, like that, both have traded at uh, premiums and discounts before, but it's just going through, you know, just you know, just a, a tougher period. I think. 
Thanks, Jeff. And we've got two questions that relate to the reasoning behind a discount um, from Richard and Roger. So is, is the discount because of the risk to NTA of the invested funds in the event of a significant market fall? Or um, is the explanation of them trading at a discount in relation to taking uh, management fees over time? Yeah, I mean, there used to be, I don't think the first one's the answer. The, the, the theory on the, on the second one, the theory was if you NPV uh, do a net present value of management fees over time, then that's the discount you trade at. Uh, if that's the case, then effectively no LIC would trade at a premium. You've, and you've had Africa at you know, various points in time, 10. I think a while back, Africa and Argo were close to 15, 20% premium. So and I, I know them. You'd argue, well, their management fees are like point, yeah, you know, point nothing. So there's, you know, so they should be there. But then they'll go to a discount, and then then the, so then where does when Wham Capital was trading at thirty percent premium and Wax was trading at a fifty percent premium, where does that fit? So to me, it, it actually it, it actually isn't that, it isn't that logical. You can't MPV the, um, you know the the management fee because in theory then you've got to you've got to look at the risk adjusted return um, and then if if the manager is going to deliver better risk adjusted returns adjusted for the management fee then you want to pay a premium for it now back in the early yeah you know, if you look at the history of LICs or closed end funds you know before the um, you know the uh, you know, the crash in the 1930s they um, that float and they'd, they'd immediately go to like 100% premium because not every, they're, they're investing in equities that went up, were going up significantly. So everyone thought, oh, how do they make this magic money? And so then they're putting them on PEs, not, you know, not looking at their assets. Um, so, like, to me, with these is, in the end, it's, you know, why are they discounts? It's, 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 it's the shareholders, the, there's... There are shareholders that bought into the IPO or bought in since the IPO. Uh, effectively, like 80% of the shareholders are rusted on uh, and are very happy with what we're doing. It could even be 90% of the shareholders. And it's the marginal shareholders that are buying or selling that dictate the price. Uh, and at the moment, the marginal shareholders are selling and they're prepared to sell you know, at... Yeah, uh, they prepare to sell a dollar of assets to someone else at eighty-five cents. Um, yeah, and at some point in time, that'll 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 dry up. Um, or yeah, or it could get bigger. The discount, I don't think it will. Um, yeah, because not as if we're we're yeah, like we've got a a detailed investment strategy. Sorry, detailed marketing engagement strategy. That we're rolling out. They just take. It, unfortunately, it takes time. As I said, with Wax, it took us seven years to get it NTA. But then, unfortunately, we did too good good a job and tightened the shareholder register up too much, and it went to a fifty percent premium. And I'm not saying this will happen here, but yeah, you know, we'll yeah you know, we'll trade at NTA if not a premium again. Any more, Olivia? Yeah, yeah, we do have a few more. Um... <laughs> George has asked. Hey, look, thank you for the questions. And any others, any others who don't want to ask questions, please email in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can ring you. 
Uh, George was asked if you could talk about um, CD1 and CD2. Uh, is, is war in these for the long term? Um, is it envisage, envisaged that you'll be holding on to these until such a time as they wind up after most of the capital is returned as part of their ongoing distributions? Yeah, A or B. In terms of Pingana approach and take them over, for us it just looked like a, a no-lose play. You know, discount asset play, um, money coming back to us or someone bids for them. Thanks, Jeff. Um, the next question is from Sos Peter again. He said, what are we doing with TEK, TEK and TOP? What is the catalyst oh, to trade close to NTM? Yeah, well, a, 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 like they're trading at big discounts. We've only got very, very, very small positions in them. Like Thorny is point, what's that? Yeah, point, I think TEK is 0.47% of the portfolio. Uh Oops, uh, yeah, sorry, the, and the, the other one is less. <laughs> um, so, yeah, from our perspective is you, you can't have a big discount forever. Uh, and yeah, and it's trading at a you know, 31.6% on our numbers, last numbers, 31.6% discount. So, you know, eventually something will happen. And, like, we've only got a very small position. It's, you know, we have very small conviction, um, but, you know, if... if yeah, we've got our toe in the water. If something happens, then obviously we'll have a bigger position. But, yeah, unfortunately, long-term, you can't survive you know, at, with, at those discounts. Thanks. Something eventually happens. Thanks, Jeff. Jesse, we'll go to you for this next one from George. Um, he said, if you pay 30% tax on all your profits, why aren't there sufficient franking credits to pay a higher dividend, as you mentioned? Isn't 100% of your profit reserve associated with a corresponding amount of franking credits? Or do some of the profits not have an associated franking credit? And if not, why not? Yeah, hey, great question. And good sort of question in terms of understanding the relationship between profits reserve and the franking balance of a company. Obviously, each year our profit is made up of both realised and unrealised positions. So we could have unrealised gains and realised gains, which make up sort of our profit before tax, after expenses. You, you accommodate 30% tax. So just per the accounting standards, we have to account for 30% tax on the total value. But our current tax liability and deferred tax liability will represent the realised and the unrealised. So obviously, when we're paying tax on our realised positions, we're topping realised sort of profits, we're topping up the franking account. And then the deferred tax liability will relate to the unrealised gains on the portfolio, which can move from period to period. So at certain points, there can be mismatches between the, the profits reserve and the franking account, um, depending on how quickly and how often you're turning over the portfolio and, and realising gains. Thanks, Jesse. And sticking with George, um, he's asked, when buying discounted shares of another lick, do you also consider what individual companies they hold in their portfolio as part of your decision to buy in? If the, if the lick holds companies that you yourself would not invest in, would you still buy the lick? Yeah. The answer is no. No, who are? <laughs> okay, I, just would, I wouldn't. No, no. I was going to say, great are you, question. Are you answering the first part of the question? Yes to the first part and no to the second part. <laughs> well, I was going to get back to something we spoke about almost in the prospectus with, hey, you identify a discount, um, but it could be a value trap. So you need to look at the underlying portfolio of, of those sort of discounted asset plays. 
where they're invested. Um, obviously, the track record of the manager, sort of what's the capital management policy of the board. So the discount, like you can filter the entire league universe and, and find all the discounts. Um, but if the underlying portfolio, the underlying manager, what they're doing capital management wise um, isn't of quality, obviously that, that presents risk where we might not be able to realise that discount. Thanks, Jesse. Um, Barry has a question. Are you concerned with the asset value of the unlisted assets in SB2 and TEK? Oh, I mean, it, it's there's, there's no doubt that that's, yeah, that's a risk. And, and ideally, in terms of trying to work out what the real NTA is, um, yeah, of, of any company, it's, it's obviously easier uh, listed investment companies. Yeah, sorry, listed investment companies that invest in, in listed equities. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we take that and you'd expect a bigger discount for that. And, and with those, you are getting a bigger discount for that. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, the next question is from Damien um, related to capital management actions again. Um, he says, the war monthly performance report highlights you welcome capital management actions affected for other holdings within the war portfolio. Why are those capital management strategies not pursued for war or WAM Global to help close the share price discount? Well, I mean, all, all the studies, we, I mean, uh, what we're referring to there is, and I suppose the example we gave you is VG1. Now, they bought, bought back 60% of every, you know, all the shares uh, were traded over a period of time, and they're still at a 14.2% discount. Uh, it, it doesn't buybacks effectively don't necessarily work in terms of um, capital management strategy. In terms of like you know, like Magellan, which you talked about giving us our money back, well, it saves us having to bid for something, and and we get the money back quickly. You know, so as an investor, that's great. Um, but like, if 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 hypothetical, it's like you guys, hey, and you can you can vote. Um, you know, if you buy enough shares and then vote, and then if you're wanting the money back, then you can get the money back, and you get, you know, you get a dollar twenty-two back, yeah, you know, which you'll think is great, but in theory, there's, you know, there's a dollar forty-two, was a dollar forty, yeah, dollar forty-two of value, um, you know, so there's twenty cents of value you left on the table. So to me, that's the, um, that's the problem. Like we're very happy, like Magellan doing. Now, we, we bought into it with the expectation that would happen, so the capital management. So we're very happy. And, yeah, when we bought various other things. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Justin has asked, are companies like Solpats, Brickworks and Seven available for investment? They're not technically a lick, but they're similar. Yeah, I, I mean, that's right. And, we, and yeah, the, we could invest in those. Yeah, we haven't at this point in time. But we could. Yeah, but just, again, assets, you know, discounted asset plays. Thanks, Jeff. And um, pivoting a little bit to Arthur's question, he said, with the advantages of the LIC structure, why did you set up the Wilson Asset Management Leaders Fund? Oh, the um, this is the Leaders Fund, which is in the trust structure. Yes, the closed-end, yeah. open-ended yeah, yeah. fund. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Effectively, effectively, um, we had a lot of people, a lot of our investors, that you know sometimes get well. Actually, when we when we announced it, Wham Leaders was trading at a four percent premium, and then it went to a ten percent premium. 
um, and you know, people, there were, there were a lot of financial planners or, or you know, high net worths that said, hey, look, we're very happy. And people for years have been coming to us and say, look, we're happy for you to manage some money, but we don't. We want it in a in a fund that we can get in at NTA and get out at NTA. Uh, and that's that's why we set up Wham Leaders. Uh, and 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 in theory, um, it's highly liquid. So you know we could liquidate the portfolio in a day. So the um, yeah. So you know that's you know, another reason in terms of yeah. Would we do the same for Wham Capital? And the answer is no. I mean, we've got one, but we we pretty much have had it closed for probably twenty three years. We haven't taken any more money in a, a small cap, uh, unlisted fund. Thanks, Jeff. And some questions on um, a couple of the individual holdings. Um, what's the catalyst for Carlton Investments? And can you comment on Ophir OPH, which is a relatively yeah. new position? Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, and and um, Carlton is probably it's. I know it's probably when. Well, it'll be interesting to see when the you know, the the, um, the major shareholder when he passes on. You know what happens to the entity, and 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 you'd think like Carlton's trading at a big discount. It's traded at a big discount for a long period of time. You know, twenty percent plus. You'd think something would happen at some point. Now it's not an ideal structure, and that's right. Um, yeah, you know, so to me, it's like it's not a Carlton isn't a big. Is in a big position. It's one point four four eight percent of the portfolio, uh, but it's it was just that discount attractive. So at some point in time, there will be a catalyst, um, but it could be uh, quite a way off. That's why we don't have a big position. Uh, and what was the second one? That was Carlton. The second one, Olivia. First one was Carlton. Oh, the second one. Oh, oh I fear. I fear was a trade. Now, I fear there was a, a, a large line of stock. Um, that we bought at a big discount, you know, around that you know, two dollar thirty level, um, and we just we've just been trading it out, making money. So, and it's still trading. Afia is still trading at about a thirteen point seven percent discount. We just bought it at a bigger discount, and it was just purely a trade. So, eventually, that won't be there. But we've made, you know, we made good money. Thanks, Jeff. And um, some questions on two companies that I don't believe we hold, but if they're on your radar. One is DJW, Digeri War, and um, uh, TVL, Touch Ventures Limited. Yeah, well, Touch is, yeah, Touch is really interesting. That's sort of, that's on the radar. Something is going to happen there, no doubt. Uh, and uh, Digeri War, um, yeah, we just, like, that has traded, you know, buys equities and does buy rights against equities. So, yeah, you get the market performance with a bit of protection, probably a little bit less than a market performance with a bit of protection. So, yeah, if, if that was trading at a big enough discount, we'd buy it. But there's no natural catalyst. No one's going to take it over. Touch could get taken over. It should get cleaned up. Yeah, it looks cheap. And it's, yeah, we've been doing quite a lot of work on Touch. Thanks, Jeff. Um, a question from Simon. Back on VG1, what do you think they should do to close their discount if you say the buyback isn't working? Hey, look, I was talking to them a little while ago, Phil, and um, and the head of sales, and uh, well, yeah, they're, they're committed to get it, you know, pretty close to NTA. Um, so to me, it, it's yeah, as I mentioned, we've got eleven people in shelled engagement, communication, and uh, and sales. Like they, 
they don't have the structure we've got. So they'd, they'd have to build that and it'll take them time to build it. Like they did, they've done well with their, um, yeah, the Regal Fund, yeah, that's the LIC, uh, and they've just got to commit more resources. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and, and you know, engage with shareholders, you know, do all the hard yards. You know, I mean, that's right, you know, communicate with you guys um, or communicate with their shareholders, the um it's it's really hand to hand combat in the end yeah you know, because it, broadly it's 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 very simple to say if you get every shareholder that's rusted on and's happy with what you're doing and and understands what you're doing and and's happy with what you're doing then they won't sell and you just get need one shareholder buy an NTA a premium and then it trades at NTA a premium the fact is it's that's very easy to say it's very hard to do so effectively, you've got to communicate with every shareholder, uh, and you've got to have their, you know, you've got, you've got to, everyone's got to be aligned. It just takes enormous amount of effort, and that's why, yeah, you know, the other guy was saying, look earlier, someone was saying, can you report on a monthly basis? Yeah, you know, it just the effort it takes is significant. So yeah, you know, and you just don't know when when the register is going to tighten up, and then all of a sudden it's trading at NTA. Now, nothing much can change. It just trades at NTA. Thanks, Sorry. Jeff. Yeah. That's great. Thanks, Jeff. Um, the next question is from Simon. Uh, this is an interesting one. Australian licks that trade in global equities have historically underperformed and often traded at discounts to NTA for extended periods compared to licks that trade in Australian equities. Why does War have nearly fifty percent invested in licks that involve global equities? Okay, hit me with that question again. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Australian licks that trade in global equities have historically underperformed um, and traded at discounts compared to licks that trade in Australian equities. So why then does War invest nearly fifty percent of its funds okay. yeah, yeah, in yes. global okay. equities? Okay. okay, okay. The 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 logic of uh, effectively, I mean, you go back in terms of the underlying performance of the underlying funds. I'm not necessarily sure if that's correct. I, I know on an after-tax basis because you know, the, com- the companies, if they make profit, they pay tax. Um, uh, yeah, we know Magellan has out, you know, performed well last year, but it performed poorly the year before. The platinum guys, I just don't know what their performance is at the moment. Anyway, what what you had is probably about four or five years ago, or maybe even longer, there was enormous demand for global equities and a whole lot of global licks listed. Um, now, and what's happened over the last little period, all those global licks have gone to bigger discounts. Uh, and the big discounts have been in the global licks, where the Australian licks were trading at le- lesser discounts. Um, I mean, global equities have performed a lot better in the last 12 months than Australian equities. Now, the global markets, what's it up? 12 months, 20, the 20, 23, 24% or 21% in the Australian market. What was Jesse year to, uh, for calendar year? Was it up 12, did you say? Uh, maybe a bit more. Calendar maybe year, more. domestic yeah. was up around, what, 7.3, all odds? Oh, for the year. Oh, for the, January, the, the year, four months to Jan. Oh, 12 months Jan. Okay, okay, maybe, yeah. 
but global equity has done a lot better. In yeah, terms over of the same time, global equities did yeah. 24.7. Yeah, okay. And, and, and it's just that's where the opportunity has been, you know, the bigger discounts. And and the good thing is we've got a bit of performance. And that's probably one of the reasons why, you know, the last six months we've performed, you know, where we've been in a market. Um, you know, we perform reasonably well. Now we're getting a bit of a free kick from the global guys. Thanks, Jeff. Jesse, this next one is for you. It's uh, from George, a follow-up um, to his previous question about the profits reserve and franking account. He says, if your profit reserve includes unrealized profits, then only dividends to the amount of realized gains can be paid. Is it possible to advise shareholders how much of your profit reserve is realized and unrealized so that they can determine if you have, say, three years of dividend coverage, they know how much is actually payable since your unrealized gains could disappear on a future market crash and hence your unrealized profit disappears. Yeah, look, I understand the the logic of the question. Um, I guess each period, in terms of the ability to pay a fully franked dividend, a company needs to be able to point to profit. So back in 2012, the Corps Act changed and there used to be a profit test built into the Corporations Act for companies to be able to pay a dividend. It changed and just said you have to have positive net assets. I think at the point in time, and Jeff, you might remember more than me, a lot of listed investment companies went out and started paying these franked dividends and the tax office stepped in and went, hold on, you can't just pay it with positive net assets like all licks have. You've got to be able to point to profits. And that's where the concept of the profits reserve came from. And obviously, because we are sort of more active trading, our profit includes the unrealized and realized. So each period, that profits reserve, what's there, is payable in a franked dividend. But you only need to have the franking, obviously, at the point of time that you sort of pay it within a 12-month period. So when I say we've got a profits reserve of X right now, that is payable in a fully franked dividend. And if you were to declare a dividend, uh, you just have to have the franking by 30 June each year so you don't go into a negative franking account. So it's better to look at the profits reserve and then obviously the franking levels of the company each period. So at 30 June, obviously, we put our franking account out to the market in our annual report. But each month, we also disclose when we're paying tax. So if you keep a close eye on the NTA of each listed investment company, we're telling you when we pay tax. And obviously, that comes out of the pre-tax NTA. So you'll see the pre-tax NTA fall when we're paying tax. We want to sort of make that really clear for you. So you can see, obviously, when we're paying tax along the way, we're topping up the franking account. And then you can sort of see the, the relationship between the profits reserve and franking account. Like another school of thought would be if you've got what well, we've got the 12.3 cents away in the um, in the profits reserve, should we not have 12.3 cents locked away in franking? That is a possibility, but that does require a big redemption out of the portfolio in paying tax away to the ATO. So we like to manage it more strategically in terms of the dividends that we believe will be payable over the coming years, make, make sure the franking account, we can sustain it um, and manage it more actively than just sort of paying a, a huge chunk away each period off to the tax office. Thanks, Jesse. Um, Jeff, the next question is from Danny. Do you have a view on Magellan's new CEO? I don't know her, but everyone I've spoken to that knows her, and, and Danya, who manages the um, alternate fund, knows her well, uh, and you know, says she's very good. So, um, yeah, like it, it's it's all pretty positive. Big, big, big um, job for it as in terms of what she needs to do. 
but you know, it's probably close to the bottom, you know, in terms of their farm. I don't know if they'll lose too much more farm. Thanks, Jeff. Um, we are getting close to the end of the questions. Um, the next one is from Patricia. Would you consider adding PE1, which is trading at a discount? That's Pingana Private Equity Trust. Yeah, potentially. The, the tough thing is, and we one of the questions earlier um, was about, you know, the you know, TEK and the companies that had unlisted unlisted assets. Um, and P one has traded a premium. Um, it would have to trade at a pretty big discount because it's in, investing in sort of unlisted assets. Uh, like to me, if you get a good diversified portfolio, and that's why when we went into that area, like you know, with WMA with WAM alternate assets. Yeah, you know, we went in. Yeah, you know, with a portfolio, you know, with a very diversified portfolio. You know, and you can get exposure to things like water rights, etc., which you can't get uh, anywhere else. And and that is, you know, when when it was when before we took it over, it was managed by Blue Sky. Uh, when in the heyday, and it traded at a premium for quite a period of time. So, to me, a diversified portfolio like that can trade at a premium. Uh, uh, P one, I'm not sure. And and in terms of ca raising capital. I think they've they're probably a little bit strong on the raising of the capital. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we could buy it, but we ha we have we haven't at the moment. We the last capital raising we took some and we sold them out and made a couple of cents on them. So, I mean, we'll trade in the portfolio if we think we can make money. Yeah. But right now, at a I think at six to seven percent discount, so quite a, a small discount, and more recently traded at NTA. Yeah, so it's not like if it went to a 20, then maybe 20 plus, we'd have a look. Thanks, Jeff. Well, unless that raised you some money and we thought we could make some money. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Um, the last question is from Jim. He's asked, what is your pick for the most undervalued top 100 stock at the moment or a small cap stock? So what's your stock? Uh, pick? Hey, well, I, that's, uh, I, I think I'd go for global... Last year at our rate charge, global data centres, and it hasn't gone up. Well, I think it was a dollar ninety, so it's only only five percent higher. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty comfortable. We'll get a good return out of that. And and with if the air trunk position does IPO, sort of some analysts forecasting upwards of two ninety in terms of that look through value as well. Thanks, Jeff and Jesse. And we've okay. just had a comment from Garth come in. Uh, he said it's not a question, but he's um, very impressed with your willingness to stay connected and answer everybody's questions. Um, so that's hey, all the questions. Well, hey, and you own the company, and that's right. Uh, luckily, I text my. They've been asking where are you, when you're turning up to the board meeting. I said, well, <laughs> hey, shareholders, yeah, you know, we've got got to look. You guys own the company. Hey, when you do what we do, because you allow us to do it. And thank you for that. And yeah, you know, feel rest assured that you know we will get the share price to trade at NTA uh, and, and we'll all be, and you know, when we get to a premium, then we'll all be a lot happier. So look, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you for uh, your questions. Please, any ideas, any questions? The only reason we announced the look through NTA is because you know, yourselves, you know, shareholders, you know, a couple of shareholders asked us about it and we thought, you know, what a great idea we can communicate. Any other thoughts? Now, we're very happy to have a robust you know, discussion or, or any feedback, any negative feedback you've got or any positive feedback. 
Um, thanks very much. And a number of you, uh, you know, Thomasina or Tommy uh, for short, uh, if you hear someone with an English accent, um, you know, I know Tommy's probably going to ring another couple of hundred odd uh, shareholders. Any feedback, any ideas, any thoughts? Um, you know, we, you know, we appreciate you allowing us you know, to manage this capital on your behalf. So uh, thank you, Olivia, and thank you, Jesse, um, and thanks, everyone else.